and welcome to episode number 40 of Golf Pod Kentucky. This is your host, Ethan Fisher, speaking with you. Before I get into the content of this here episode, just a couple of reminders for everybody to sign up for some of the various things that we've got going on or will have going on when golf season comes around. Those being PJ Junior League, which is for kids under the age of 17, PJ Hope, which is for all of our military veterans who will get access to free golf instruction at different facilities across Kentucky, Drive, Chip, and Putt, another junior initiative, Kentucky PGA Junior Tour, name speaks for itself, our tournament series here for junior golfers in Kentucky, and just as a reminder, tournament registration for KGA and KPG events is coming up in just a little less than a month. Early March is when you'll be able to start registering for KGA or KPGA competitions. Now then, this episode of the podcast is a little different. This is something I got the idea to do from the fried egg. They recently did a Dream 18 of the different golf courses at Bandon Dunes. And after listening to that, I was like, you know, that'd be a fun thing to do with Kentucky golf as a whole. So on this episode, you will hear two previous guests on here. We have Joey Sears and David Hill. If you want to learn more about each of them or get some more context about them, you can go back and listen to Joey in episode two. David is in episode nine, but these are two of the strongest golf minds that we have in Kentucky, and they are two of the strongest internet personalities in terms of the content, just different conversations that they bring. So very glad that they were able to join us, but... David, Joey, and myself, we all kind of have a roundtable discussion and go through our respective Dream 18s in Kentucky. The only real rule that I gave all of us going in was that we each had to use a minimum of at least three public holes per side. This episode is going to be the front nine, and then there will be a part two that comes out later with the back nine but hope you enjoy. Uh, there's plenty of discussion to be had about this. This is a fun thing to discuss. So feel free to chime in at us on social media. You can find our respective handles on the bio of this podcast. But enjoy and let the discussion begin. Okay, we now have David Hill and Joey Sears on the podcast. Gentlemen, let's just start up by introductory greetings. Make sure everybody knows your voices. David, how are you, sir? Doing well. Freezing here in Lexington. Yep, sounds about right. Joey, how about yourself? I'm doing good. Uh, it's freezing here in Louisville. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's freezing everywhere in Kentucky. Yeah. All right, gentlemen, so we have our ground rules set for how we're going to do this. We're going to go hole by hole, talk about our favorite first holes, second holes, so on and so forth. Um, Joey, for the first hole, I'm going to start out with you because I know you're going to say the first hole at Seneca, so let's have at it. Yeah, that's definitely the first toe at Seneca. Um, <laughs> all right, so here's what I did. I'm not sure how the rules went. I went each hole as they are on a golf course. So mm -hmm. yeah, I, I'm assuming that's how we did this. Okay, want to right. make sure. I actually, so my first choice is Midland Trail hole number one, and the reason being is you can hit the worst tee shot in the world in this hole and still be in play. I mean, it's off the side of a cliff. So, you know, if I top it, hey, listen, it looks like I got airborne. So it's great for beginner golfers if you got the first tee jitters. You know, hey, boom. I actually love the hole. I think it's it's a great hole. It's one of my favorite golf courses. I don't think there's a bad hole in the course. So I'm going with Midland Trail, hole number one. David? I'm going the other direction. I'm going to start with, and this was a close call for me, uh, but I'm going to go with number one at Picadome. 
because that with all the trouble, right, there's a creek that sneaks in. You've got to account for on your tee shot. And it's classic golf strategy. The closer you are to that creek, the better your angle for the second shot. You know, it's a par five. That's really probably a par four and a half. So when it gets baked out in the summer and it runs, if you can sneak one up to the upslope just past this creek that comes in from the right-hand side, um, you've got a chance to stick one on the green and boom, if you make a putt, you know, it's probably a long iron or a hybrid in from there. And if you can make a putt, you're, you know, one or two under right out of the gate. So it really gets your adrenaline going. Um, my golf pro years ago said the way he would play it is that he would just try to wildly miss one to the right, end up in the third fairway and play because it, it get, the angle got even better. Problem being that now trees that weren't there 20 years ago have, have grown up and made that kind of a hit and miss. But uh, number one, to pick a dome, get your blood moving, get your blood flowing right out of the bat. Well, I'm on the same page as one of you. I'm going to have to agree with Joey and go with the first hole at Midland Trail. And my reasoning for it is because the first time I played Midland, I saw that tee shot and it looked like something straight out of Riviera Country Club with that steep drop down from the clubhouse down to the fairway. It's got major vibes to that course out in L.A. And the bunkering at Midland Trail with the pot bunkers you get all across the golf course is very unique to that layout here. You don't find any other golf course in the state, I think, with those kinds of bunkers. Immediately, that first hole at Midland Trail introduces you to those. Joey brought up a really good point with the fact that it's very friendly to beginner golfers. So I'm a big fan of number one at Midland Trail. So I guess by if we're doing voting, then David, I'm sorry you've lost this one. And Joey and I are both one to know. We're one up on you, buddy. <laughs> All David, right, you'll, David, David, you'll have the opportunity to go first with hole number two. What you got? Number two, I like the second hole at Valhalla. You know, the, the one, I don't think one is a great starting hole. It's kind of a firm handshake out there, but two, okay, you've got a little challenge to you. Uh, it's, you've got trouble, but it's not fatal there on the left. A uh, little, not a ribbon of fairway, um, but just an interesting long hole to to get you going right out of the, the gate. Now, and I, I, I like a diagonal green, kind of the way that's you can. I'm a hooker of the golf ball, so you can kind of run one in there if you're, uh, you know, even if you're not spot on, carrying it to a number. Now, are you playing it as a par four, par five? Oh, par five. I'm not. I'm. I'm way past um, <laughs> ego golf. I don't think any of us are good enough to be playing that hole as a par four. Nah. I'm going to go with the second hole at Wasioto Winds. Now, a little disclaimer: I haven't played Wasioto Winds in five years, I think. But the second hole there, I remember getting a lot of unique vibes, just in the fact that with Wasioto, it's a unique golf course, just because of where it's at. You get. A lot of these wetlands are kind of in the middle of this valley surrounded by these uh, pretty steep mountains, I guess would be the correct terminology. I don't think they're really big hills. I think you can call them mountains. But hole number two there, there's water all along the left side. You've got deep woods to the right, specifically closer to the green, if I remember correctly. But it's a good par five. I think it's risk reward for those who are closer to scratch. I think they can probably get there in two. So good risk reward hole, but it's just such a unique setting that you don't find at a whole lot of other courses. So that one gets my vote. Good hole. 
All right. I stayed since the name of my group is Louisville Metro. I actually stayed kind of within the metro. I wanted to go outside the state. I mean, outside the city or this area, but I figured it'd be fair. So I am going and you're going to find a trend with me that I seem to like elevated T-shots. So <laughs> I'm going with uh, number two at Lincoln Trail. I think this is a great little hole. You can hit a hybrid. You can hit a driver. You can blow it right and you think you lost your ball. You get a little mad you're driving down there. You find out you're in pretty decent shape. Midland Trail, I mean, uh, Lincoln Trail's another golf course that I, it does have one or two little goofy holes, but it is a golf course that I enjoy playing. And, and if somebody called me to go play it, I'll play it. So I was actually going to say two at Valhalla, but I'm leaving Valhalla off my list completely just simply because I'm not, I haven't had any invites out there in a while. So until you want to invite to play golf, I'm not putting you on the list. No, I'm just kidding. But, uh, uh, so yeah, I left Valhalla off the list. I'm going with number two at Lincoln. I think it's a, you know, like I said, you can kind of top one and it's out there. So I'm still yet to play Lincoln trail. So I have to take your word on that one, Joey. Okay. All right. For hole number three, I'll go first with this one. This was the choice that I had the toughest time making. I spent a lot of time thinking about lots of different third holes, but I've arrived at number three at Persimmon Ridge. And before I get into it, I do think that, It is a little weird as a split fairway hole just because I'm still yet to see where going left could help a player. I think going right is 99% of the time the move to make. And for instance, in the Kentucky Open last year, I saw a lot of players play that third hole. I did not see anyone willingly go to the left fairway off the tee. Anyone who ended up on the left side was because they split the middle of both fairways and they were blocked out going to the right, so they had no choice but to go left. But it's a very unique hole. Again, this is probably my parallel. You won't find any other place like it in the state. The green is wild. It's got these massive contours. If you have a putt going downhill on that green, good luck. Yeah. Rest in peace in advance. But extremely unique and just different. It's got a ton of width. You do have options, even if there is one option that is clearly probably the better play than the other. But fun hole, and that's why I'm picking it. Joey? All All right. This was the first hole I put on the list easiest um just came to my mind is number three at oddman i think it's an underrated par three uh i think it's a great little hole especially played from the back and this is the good thing about oddman's number three is it's a good hole from every tee they've got on that tee box some par threes you know you'll get a a great hole from 200 yards but not a great hole from 160 i think i think oddman number three is is just a, a great little hole that nobody seems to talk about well, Ethan, with you, I'm I had trouble narrowing down a third hole because there's so there seem to be some really good ones all across the state. Um, my honorable mentions I'll throw out Kearney Hill, which is a great par four and a half, uh, par five, and then the third at Traditions with a cross bunker and a big mm-hmm. L-shaped green that is just a lot of fun to attack. But my best one, and Joey, you'll like this since you love elevated tee shots, the third at Eagle Ridge. Oh yeah, that you know you go back. The fun on that one is you've got about a 70 or 80 foot drop, depending on what tee box you're playing from. And you get down to the green and it's a big target and you can bail out right. You don't want to be short. Um, There's plenty of room for people of of lesser skill. One of the few holes over there um, that you can kind of get away with missing and not pay a, you know, have to go into your pocket for. But you get to that green, you turn around and you look back up that mountain. You're like, 
did we just play from there? You know, the, the tee boxes are cut like terraces. Um, yeah, they're cut out of yeah, the hill. Yeah. yeah, cut cut out of the hill because there was no flat spots. It was a sheer cliff. Um, so it's just a really – it epitomizes mountain golf to me. You know, there wasn't that whole course. There probably shouldn't have been a golf course there, but there is. And th- through some miracles of modern engineering, they were able to put a really cool um, elevated T par three right there. I like it. Good choice. I've seen pictures. Again, another one I haven't played, but I do do recognize it immediately when I see pictures of it. So uh, fourth hole, Joey, honor is yours. All right. Uh, I needed a par five in my group here to keep this at a par 71 or 72. I I sit and couldn't think of a fourth hole. And I just came up with Audubon's par five, number four. I think it's, you know, it's a, it's a good hole. You got to get past the tree on your tee shot. And then you got that, you know, big, building in the background um it's not the greatest hole in the world as far as par fives go and i'm sure that's something that comes to mind uh and i'll go why didn't i pick that hole but since we were going in order I, this was the very last hole i filled in on my list so i'm going with uh the combination of three and four at audubon country club which is once again one of my favorite courses i grew up working there so if you thought eagle ridge was barely in the state then you're gonna love this one <laughs> the i discovered this last summer the fourth hole at Lynch Country Club in Lynch, Ooh. Kentucky, is was instantly one of my favorite places in the golf world. It's this kind of sitting diagonal, maybe eight to two, seven to one, naturally occurring Biritz green that is kind of carved out of the side of the mountain terraced, like we're talking about with 3T at Eagle Ridge, but it's situated such that the the front half of the beer ritz is just basically kind of approach um and then there's a naturally occurring drainage ditch and then this back half of the beer ritz is the putting green but this thing sits 18 feet up from the tee box level and it's carved into the hill so the play is to take your pitching wedge and throw this thing into the mountain up into the trees and just watch it plinko board down the hill and there's about a 90% chance it's going to end up either on or crossing or in the approach to this green. It's one of the most fun shots in golf that I've ever seen. Mm. So Lynch Country Club, fourth hole, um, naturally occurring beer Ritz green. Where How is, long is that hole? Yeah. It's a it's pitching wedge. Uh, okay. With the elevation, since you're, you're probably adding a club, so wedge of some kind, gap wedge into nine iron, depending on how far you hit it. Where is don't, Lynch- be sh- don't be short. Lynch, Kentucky is at the bottom of Black Mountain. It's at the corner okay. of Virginia, down there in Harlan County, Tri-Cities. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> Joey, I had to look that up when David was talking because I, <laughs> I had no clue where it was. <laughs> I like it's, a, it, it's a seven-hole par 21 golf course. Wow. Okay. Wow. All right. Cool. It's going to be added to the bucket list for a future travel. Um, I am also picking a beer. It's, but it's, uh, more in the central Kentucky stratosphere. And that's being the par three, fourth at Keen run about a 200 yard hole from the back tees, if I'm not mistaken and huge green, it's probably, gosh, I don't know, 70 yards in length. So that 200 number you get on the scorecard can vary significantly depending on where the flag is located. And the fun thing about that beer, Rich, that people at Keen Trace have brought up before is that you can put a hole in the middle of that green. Typically when you find beer, it's it 
other golf courses across the country. You won't ever find the hole cut in the middle just because there's not really a place for it. But Keen Runs does allow for that. And it's just a fun shot. Have you ever seen the flag up front there? I don't know that I ever have. I have, yeah. Okay. Yeah, and the and the Barbasol Junior actually, I, I can't remember where it was going to be in the third round since it got washed out because of weather. But in the first two days, it was up front, and uh, it it gave people some challenges. If people miss the green on the side that the hole is on, like if the flag was right and they miss it right, <laughs> good luck. Fifth hole, uh, David, I believe you have the honor. Fifth hole, a couple of tough ones to choose from. I ended up with Lincoln Homestead State Park. Um, that is a, a nice uphill par three with kind of not stereotypical, but just a really good old Maxwell green that has a, a front shelf to it and some really bold contouring. It reminds me a little bit of some of those par threes up on the Ross course at French Lick and just the character of it. Cause it's a long, it's accepting a pretty long shot, you know, maybe a long iron, maybe even a hybrid if you've got any breeze at all. Um, and it does have it does act as a pretty decent backboard. It's just all carry up a hill. There's no hazard. It's just rough in between the tee and the the green. But just a really good green that you got to think about. You know, it's one of those where you could have your back turned 45 degrees to the hole if you're in the wrong spot. I'm going to go with number five at Gibson Bay, David. I remember you and I talked about this when you were on our podcast a year ago. But a short. Par four goes downhill. You get a really nice view of downtown Richmond off the tee and EKU, but split fairway. I'm yet to see somebody try to go for the green off the tee. I'm not sure if it's possible. Maybe if it was significantly downwind, it could be done. But you've got to think about what club you're going to hit off the tee. It's not an automatic driver. And then it's a scary little approach shot because there's not a whole lot of room from the front side of that green to the back. It's maybe... 10 yards at the most, I think. And missing long of that green is a death trap. You have significantly downhill pitch shot from there and chances of making par at that point are extremely limited and shorts, no bargain either. Uh, If you find it on a dry enough day, it could roll all the way back down into that Creek that fronts the green. So again, I go back to my theme of just being a unique hole that you won't find too many other places and just a solid risk reward option. Mm -hmm. All righty. My fifth hole is at Wildwood Country Club. Uh, mm. Short par four. Once again, elevated tee. Uh, you get to choose, you know, what club you want to hit. Uh, you can hit a hybrid, you can hit a driver. Um, and uh, you got all the drunks on the veranda uh, heckling you. <laughs> so, uh, you know, that makes things even better. So depending on what time of the day you play, you know, you've got enough guys out there to kind of, I just think it's a pretty hole and, you know, really it looks like an easy hole, but you know, if you push your tee shot or you pull your tee shot, you can kind of be a uh, tree block. So um, I've always liked that hole. And I think it's, I think it's a good hole. I agree. With uh, number six, this is probably going to be my most controversial submission. I'm going with the sixth hole at Neville Mead. I know a lot of people are not fans of it, but I've come to like it after many times playing it. This is the maybe 290-yard hole from the one and only tee box on that hole. Mm-hmm. You've got a fountain slash creek short left of the green. And the reason why I like this hole is because the more I've played it, the harder this tee shot gets because I'm not quite sure what the right move to make off the tee is. 
if you're going downwind, then you can give it a go and try and get it on the green. But if you come up, let me start with this. If you hit a mid iron and you leave yourself about a hundred yards into that green, you can't see anything other than the top of the flag. The bottom of the flag stick is not visible at all. And then if you get up closer to that green, you can see it at that point, but basically the green runs away from you from the front of that green up to the very back. So you have to land it just the right spot in order to get it close. Great example of a hole. I think that when you look at it on the scorecard, you think this should be instant birdie opportunity, but doesn't always end up like that. I don't see the water come into play super often in our tournaments when we've got like players at or near scratch level playing it, but it does give you fits and it's not as easy as the scorecard would make it out to be. Joey. All right. I am going, I needed a par three. I'm going with number six at Henry County. It's a public golf course. We needed to add a public golf course. I mean, it's semi-private actually, but uh, I think it's great low par three. Uh, it's not an easy green to hit. And when you play it from the tips, it can play pretty long. And, you know, it's, it's well bunkered. Anything to the right, it's going to kick off the hillside. And you're not going to have – an easy up and down. So if you miss this green, it's, it's just, it's just not going to be, it's not going to be an easy up and down. I'm not a fan of real long par threes. I'm, I'm the worst par three player in the world. So it's hard for me to even pick a par three. But one thing about this one, I guess I can miss a little left and kind of, you know, with my big hook, I've been up in the high grass a few times. It's kind of an easier up and down from there, believe it or not. But um, I'm going with the number six at, at uh, Henry County. David. I'm going as much as I love the sixth at Kearney Hill. I'm picking the sixth at Houston Oaks. Just a a plain, simple, nice short par four. You're out there on top of the plateau, so you're at one of the windiest points on the golf course. There's no trees to speak of. It's as linksy as that course really gets. Six and eight kind of running parallel there. So, and, and again, as a drawer hooker of the golf ball, you can just whale one out there. If the wind's with you, it's going to run down and you're going to have a really short um, shot into a pretty big uh, green. Uh, the hole kind of goes out straight and then turns left downhill a little bit. Um, long is dead. It's a pretty fair size green, but I like that hole because it just gives you options. You can run it along the ground and run it onto the green. You can fly it in there, try to spin it, kind of pick your poison, but just a, a nice, simple, kind of palate cleanser on the the front side there, Houston Oaks. It's a good pick. Very underrated hole. Yeah, definitely. Lucky number seven, Joey. I am going with hole number seven at Persimmon Ridge. You've got a pretty tough little tee shot. Now that they've grown the grass up to the left a little bit, it kind of makes the hole a little tighter. You kind of can bang it over there. And then you've got that unique green uh, that used to be a pond, I guess, uh, mm-hmm. And then, you know, obviously, if you bury it, you get to go throw your whole, uh, throw your golf ball over there on Elmer George Justice's grave, and then you're out of a pro V. But uh, so I've always played the hole with the top flight, you know. <laughs> but, uh, I'm just kidding. But uh, I, I just I always, that, that's just a good little, it's, it's probably not the best hole on Persimmon Ridge's golf course, but uh, I've always liked it. It was just a pretty good, demanding little tee shot plus. You know, back in the day, it really set up for my hook because I could hook it and end up over and I get, what is that, number 10 over there to the left? Yeah. But uh, um, I just always thought that was kind of unique, the way Arthur Hills kind of said, hey, look, we got this 
it's got this farm pond here. Let's put a green, you know, fill it in a little bit, put a green down in it. I've always liked that hole. So for my number seven, I'm going to number seven at Gibson Bay. That is the the flattish par five along the the fence in the creek. And if you look at it, the last 200 yards of that hole are is other than the land tilt, obviously. But it's the 18th at Leven from Scotland. It's also the 13th from Augusta, where you have that option to get up over, hook it around those trees, avoid the creek to get it to the green. But if you don't have that shot from 220 or 240 or whatever, you pitch it up there to the right of the green and you've just got a short, awkward pitch shot across that creek. You know, it's about a eight foot drop from fairway level down to the bottom of that creek. So it puts a, a player to a decision. Um, it's an interesting now it turns a different direction off the tee. It bends to the right instead of the left, like Augusta would, but just that connection for me, cause that was my last hole, the leaving hole that I mentioned is the last hole I played in Scotland. And it's one of those where the prudent play is to hang one out to the right and just pitch across the Creek to try to get your up and down for par or, you know, just get your ego involved and, and try to hammer one onto the green. So just a really fun play. Um, and I think that hole does it pretty I think Hertzen did that one pretty well. I have comments on both your guys' holes. Joey, number seven to Persimmon. In the final round of the State Open last year, quick shout-out for our professional tournament director, Ray Molman. He moved that tee up to about 300 yards, so everyone was having a whirl trying to get to that green in one shot. And that was a hole that you'd never really think of it as, this would be really fun to play as a one-shotter, but – Turns out that made it very, very interesting. Uh, I can't remember who it was, but there was someone in the last two groups who was contending who got stuck right behind a tree, about 20, 30 yards short right of that hole. But with, again, another one of those Persimmon Ridge greens that has all this undulation, multiple elephants buried underneath them, just adds a lot. It's got a lot of character. And then, David, your hole number seven at Gibson Bay, when I was going through my list last night, I had it pegged down and I was going to use it, but I didn't. Ultimately, I decided to go with number seven at Audubon. This is maybe my favorite par five in the state. I think it's framed excellently with that big apartment building you've got next to the eighth tee, the creek running down the left. It's a gorgeous hole. A lot of fun to play. If you hit a good enough drive and you're in the fairway, you can try and hit it up that Mount Everest, get it up to the green. And it's another one of these greens where once you get there, work's not done. Uh, If you're on the wrong level, there's a big difference between being on the front side of that green versus being on the back. And when you are up there, you've got a great vantage point. You can look out at almost the entire property. And it's one of my favorite spots on any golf course in the state. And they need to bring back the Mickey Mouse bunker. Uh, that was uh, made that hole pretty cool. I don't know if you remember the Mickey Mouse bunker. No, where was that at? It was on seven at Audubon. It was up by the green. It looked like Mickey like, Mouse. It like from a distance. I've got pictures of it. I'll send it to you. They okay. they changed it years ago. It's one of my favorite holes on the golf course. But it used to have this bunker that just looked like Mickey Mouse ears. It was kind of pretty cool. But they was it was it short left or short right? It was, it was about fifty yards short of the green. Okay. I'll send you a picture. Yeah, please do. Uh, number eight, David. Number eight, I'm going to go behind the fence and pick a, a private hole. I love number eight at Idle Hour. Yep. It is for 
for a hole that has nine bunkers on it, it's an awful lot of fun to play and it gives you some options. This is a, a long par four that kind of bends right to left. Um, you got some trees and some some sand on the inside of that that bunker, but if you can get one running up there, um, you get a good look at a, a green that's well guarded by sand. And this is one that um, if you don't hit a good tee shot, boy, it really puts a decision to you because it's got bunkers maybe 30 yards short of the green, kind of protecting that approach. So you can't, if you can carry those, then you can run one onto the putting surface, which is good. But if you can't, I mean, you've got, again, one of those kind of awkward little chips or, or pitches that you're going to have to pull off. And I've probably played it as much from an adjacent fairway as I have from its own fairway. And you've got some mature old hardwoods that are block, kind of blocking you out there too. So it, it's... Um, for a lot of these holes that kind of give you some options, this is one that just really makes you execute well thought out and, and uh, well desi designed hole. Yeah, I'm going to go with uh, number eight at Champions Trace. And this was probably the hole that I had the second hardest time deciding. But ultimately, after watching guys play it in the Barbasol and the PGA Tour event, it's, uh, it's a fun hole to watch. I think if I'm going to post up anywhere for extended amount of time to watch guys play a certain hole number eight might be the option it's interesting to see how they navigate it you've got the water all along the left side but if you go right your angle gets uh gradually worse the farther right you go there's a lot of bunkers and nasty stuff right of that green that you don't want anything to deal with so specifically from the barbasol championships point of view i think it's a great hole to watch and Frankly, when I was going through it, I was like, you know, it's probably the best eighth hole there is. So there you have it. All right. I went uh, the opposite of Ottawa. I went about as public as you can get. Um, I went number eight at Iroquois. Um, once again, an elevated teak. I think the hole is is just a pretty hole for, for Metro Park Golf Course uh, in the fall. It's really nice when the leaves are falling. And once again, it's a hole where – I've hit anywhere from a two iron to a driver. And um, if you don't get it out there far enough to the right or far enough on your tee shot, you're going to be kind of tree blocked. You know, the hole has some drainage issues that need to be addressed. But uh, I just uh, think I had to put a Metro Park golf course on at least the front side and one on the back side. So I sit here and thought about several number, hole number eights. And I said, you know what? I, I like Iroquois. It has my number sometimes, and it's a good hole to come to, you know, with you got a front side bet and you got to get to eight and you're going to press. I mean, and it works to my, to my big old hook, even though I never, the hooking seems to go in the woods most of the time. <laughs> but, uh, but hey, I, I like that hole. I like number eight at Iroquois just because the one time I played there, I made birdie on it and it was Very perfect tee shot, perfect approach, 10 foot putt made. So I've got memories of that hole. So I agree. Great pick, Joey. Uh, my ninth hole, I'm going to go with Louisville country club. This is a par three that goes down the hill over a bit of a ravine that kind of navigates its way throughout the property there. But long par three that is minimized by the fact that you're going significantly downhill you have a great view of the clubhouse, and this goes back to the elevated tee theme for you, Joey, so you must like this one. But another cool thing about it is that if you have the hole in the front center of that green, there's a little bowl that can kind of funnel balls in, gives you a hole-in-one opportunity. 
sure surely the one time i played there the hole was cut there and i was like oh this might be a good chance to get that elusive hole in one and naturally i hit about an inch behind the golf ball and landed about 30 <laughs> yards short of the green i like that hole. joey all right now my thoughts on golf courses is every front side and every backside should end with a par five. At least the last two holes actually should be par fives. I didn't come up with that in my picks, but I'm going with number nine at Hurstburg. Uh, you've got a reachable par five. So if you got a press bet out, you know, Hey, I don't think, uh, you know, on the second shot, you got the big bunker to the left on your tee shot. So, you know, when you're out there in the fairway, you know, the, you, you can't ask for a better clubhouse than, than Hirschburn. So, you know, you're standing there and you've got the clubhouse, tennis courts and all that in the background. I, I think it's a great hole. And, you know, uh, one of my first memories of Hirschburn country club's ninth hole was when they had the um, Foster Brooks and John Daly had won the 91 PGA. He was invited to play the next year, I believe in 92. And he had hit his tee shot into Larry Mize on number nine. And Larry Mize jokingly teed John Daly's ball up in the fairway as a joke. Hollered back at the tee to him and, you know, hey. So Daly walks out there. And, you know, I'm sure he was probably under the influence of something. But he walks out there, sees his ball on the tee, takes his driver and hits it over Larry Mize's group on the green and into the tennis courts. Could have killed somebody. Wasn't the best thing in the world to do. But here I am, a young, you know, kid out at Hurstburn for the Foster Brooks, and I'm like, this is the craziest thing I've ever seen. So that hole's always kind of been – and I've taken some great pictures on that hole in the uh, Osborne Cup. So, like I said, I, I believe every golf course should end – just for betting purposes, I believe every golf course's front side should end with two par fives. Uh, mine's my, – my list hasn't, but I, I definitely believe that, you know, when you got some press bets out – uh, par fives are great because then you can kind of go for it, and, and I I think that's a pretty hole. So I had a I had a tough time flipping this coin, but um, I think on my dream eighteen, I'm probably playing the the home hole in the front at Neville Mead. I just think that's a good strong finishing hole. I like that there's you've got you got a bunker that you got to think about out there in the fairway on the left. And then you've got it, it well guarded, the green well guarded on the right, but you've got a good big bailout area to a really unwelcoming green. Um, if you're coming up, if you miss left and you've got to come up the hill a little bit to that green, that is just a, that's one of those knee knocking, closely mown areas that I think that course particularly does really well. So just a good, strong, strategic golf hole, kind of pick your poison and, and see if you can reap some reward. That is a great hole. And the yeah. thing I'll add to that is that the left side of that green always gives me problems just because if you if you're coming in from the right side of that hole it's virtually impossible if the hole's on the left side to get it over there without it going off that left side of the green with that little embankment yeah Mm -hmm. end up about 30 yards away it's a heartbreaking feeling but no another great (laughs) hole that makes you think i mean can you ask for a better golf course to play than you know neville mead i mean i know some people what is it that short 16 or 15 or whatever some people don't like it. i just i think that's a great golf course I, it I, is i do too it's yeah. my favorite my people ask me for recommendations all the time in the louisville area and that's that's one or one a and say if you're gonna be on that side of town make the trip out there it's a unique experience uh just you're gonna love it <laughs>